You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, I never want to go through this embezzlement thing? Well, nobody does. It's not fun. It destroys the trust, among other things, in your office. Today, we bring on Matt Nelson from the California Dental Association, and they are super helpful with some great tips to reduce the chances or prevent embezzlement altogether. Make sure you guys listen up. It's just great business practice to follow these steps to create a healthy practice and healthy relationship with the person that handles money in your practice. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know the jam here. Our job is to bring you great information from great thinkers everywhere to help you improve your practice and your life. And today we're going to be talking about one of those subjects that really nobody likes to talk about. And you only like to talk about it when it's happened and it's already behind us and it's called embezzlement. And today we're going to be talking about just basic good controls and best practices so that you can create a trust-based environment uh, that's built on the right things in your dental practice and you don't have to experience it in the first place. And uh, so it's, it's going to be a fun episode. And we also have some show notes. So I got my friend Matt Nelson from the uh, California Dental Association. Matt, thanks for being on. I appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, and just uh, I'll share with you guys, I'm a big fan of a lot of these organizations. The California Dental Association has been really, really a great, just a great group of people for us to work with. And I love education. I love this industry. And so as you guys were embarking on this educational process, I'm like, yes, let's do it. And so, Matt, I always want to start here. We've got a lot of young listeners. I want people to know who you are. So share with us a little bio. Who are you? Who, tell us a little bit about your role. Yeah. Uh, well, Matt Nelson, like you said, I work for the California Dental Association. I've been here about two and a half years, approaching two and a half years, and uh, focus on you know, our member service center focused on um, practice support and giving our doctors, our members, expert guidance. So, you know, when they call in about practice operations or transitions or questions about um, things in the office, I'm there to help. 
Um, prior to that, I'd spent about a year in, in private consulting and before that, about five years running a large group practice. All right. All right. And this is important not only for the CDA, but uh, everyone is providing additional support for dentists coming out and uh, into private practice. Uh, not only new practices, but established practices, making sure that they feel really well supported in all of these things. And uh, I want you to share a few stories because you and I were talking about stories before we hit the go button. You're not just a beginner at this. You actually have a background in in some of this stuff. So can you share a little bit of your story? Yeah, my uh, pre-dental life, I was an internal theft investigator for Target. And Target does a really good job of teaching and training how to you know, identify, investigate, and resolve internal theft and external theft, but a really big focus on internal since that ends up being the bigger dollar amount. And, you know, I came into dentistry and, you know, I'd worked a few years and I I had uh, in my office was pediatric and orthodontics. And we did this like fun exercise where, you know, the kids coming in would wear like a um, rock and roll month where they'd wear band shirts or crazy sock month or whatever it was. And they could put their name in for a drawing and we would draw the name. And at the end of the month, they, the winners would get gift cards. And, you know, we we do the drawing, we call the winners, they show up, go to get the gift cards, can't find them, they're gone. So I look everywhere, so I've got these people waiting for me, parents, patients. So I run over to the grocery store, the parking lot, buy new gift cards, come back, give them to them, very embarrassed, obviously, about the whole process. So then I have to dig in and figure out, like, where did these gift cards go? And, you know, that's kind of when it dawned on me that this is really under discussed and, and, and under researched and under trained in dentistry in general. But, you know, I went back and dug through these gift cards, found the receipts, looked at the transaction history and the gift cards were used. Um, you know, there was a college about 30 minutes away from the office. They were all used on a Monday right by the college. I had one employee that was off on Mondays to go to the college. So it was pretty easy to go back through and find the steps of where those gift cards were used, you know, and, had to pull that person in and, and do an interview and, and term them. And and it really came back to, you know, one, you know, we never really talk about it or you never really think it's going to happen in dentistry. But, but two, you know, I had given this person access to the safe. I didn't have proper controls in place and, and then made it easy for her to take these gift cards. So, you know, I think back, like this person didn't have a track record or a background of, of theft. So, you know, how much did I help by not having the proper controls in place? Right. Right. And so we're going to talk about controls and you've got a great three-step process. Uh, and before we do that, just, I want you to talk about the impact and the why, like, why is this so important and how big of an impact is this on a dentist who might be listening? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. And again, like we talked about that, this is, you know, under discussed, but you know, going back to there's a survey from the ADA from 2018, and of the survey, about 49% of the dentists that responded had, you know, it said that they had experienced some type of, you know, embezzlement or employee theft. Really now, um, what we're finding now at Dentistry IQ had an article, they said three and five. And it's, you know, with COVID and with people furloughed and laid off and doctors started opening more of their own mail and finding weird things and, you know, three and five, that's 60%. That's a, that's a pretty big impact. Mm -hmm. And but, what, you know, we talk, Oh, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Why do you think dentists are just 
more, maybe more susceptible to this or that it's that high? Yeah, there's, um, gosh, you know, I don't think there's a lot of training. Like we talked about, you know, a lot of dentists don't think it'll happen to them because it's their staff that they hired and they brought in. Um, Third party payments are hard to track. Um, you know, things like consultants, bookkeepers, CPAs, the the second set of eyes, all of these things are usually the first to go when things aren't going how they're supposed to. Um, you know, there is in healthcare more than any other industry is this sense of um, kind of like entitlement that the staff feels like if I didn't book this appointment or if I didn't do this treatment coordination or if I didn't get this person to say yes to doing this treatment. The doctor wouldn't even have this, you know, and, and there's this more in healthcare than anywhere else. We see this among staff. Yeah. And, um, and then, when we, sorry, circling back to just impact, you know, it's obviously there's financial loss, uh, but there's turnover and listening to a lot of your shows, obviously you are a big proponent of time and having time back. So when there's turnover, you're recruiting and staffing and training and there goes some of your time. Uh, you know, and studies right now are showing that hiring and training someone's eight to fifteen thousand um, dollars. But then, how do you not have low trust and morale in the office after having someone you trust steal from you? And how do you not feel betrayed? And how do you not project that on to the rest of the staff? You know, that it's going to take a conscious effort. Yeah, I'll never forget. I saw one of our dentists one day at a conference, and they said, "How you doing?" He said, "Not good." I go, what's up? He just, I just had it happen. I said, what happened? He said, the E. I'm like, what? And uh, and he said, it wasn't the money. It's like, it's the trust. It's, it does. It's, it's almost like the oxygen gets sucked out of your practice and you thought everything was great. And it just takes a long time to rebuild that trust that you've worked so hard to create and uh, you overtrust and you just say, hey, listen, they got it. And as a busy dentist, you're just occupied a lot. And so this whole thing of delegating. Now, again, the whole purpose of this podcast is not to create any fear. What we really want to do is just create best practices. That's it. Whether you're a team member listening or a dentist, this isn't about, you know, making you feel anxious regarding it. We've just been on the other side to see this. And this whole entire show is just about best financial practices. We talk about them in accounting with taxes. We talk about them with financial arrangements with patients. And now as we talk about money management and a practice, you know, Matt's going to take us through a process in which you can reduce the risk of it happening to you. Wouldn't you agree, Matt? Yeah, you know, I, you know, people best best practices is so important. And, you know, I think back to this story in Las Vegas that I was telling you about, and uh, this employee had stolen uh, $249,000 from one office. Then, um, you know, they applied for another office while they were, I don't know, waiting to go to jail or whatever, and uh, worked for that office. And exactly a year later, they were caught stealing about $10,000. And then three months later, in January of 2022, another $3,600. And so, you know, I think there's this um, thing where we see experience and we get really excited and um, maybe don't do our best practices of a background check or doing a, um, you know, reference checks to make sure that this person is someone you want to bring into the practice. 
And I know, you know, California at least and has a civil code that got passed where you know you can share factual information about someone now without it getting back to you. So I you know, I remembered early in my management career you couldn't say anything detrimental about somebody. Now you can say something like hey, you know what, Matt was caught committing, uh, committing embezzlement in my practice. And you can share that. Um, I'm sure most other states have something similar. Now, you can't say, Matt was really shady and I'm pretty sure he was stealing, but I let him go before I could find out. So obviously you can't say that. But factual information you can share. Wow. See, I didn't even know that. Learned that today for sure. And is that recent? It just happened recently? Not, not too long ago in California, yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry, I know you're national, national. I don't know all the states, but I, I'm sure there's something similar in most states. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And um, so take us through the best practices. So if I'm a dentist listening, okay, where do I even start, Matt? Yeah. So be involved. Um, you don't have to do everything, but you do have to be involved. Ask questions, you know, closely review what you're signing. Um, you know, the, the team should know that you're checking or that you're spot checking or that you're auditing, you know, have all your logins and passwords. You know, there was uh, someone that didn't want to go on vacation and they kept all their logins and passwords and wouldn't share them. And when they finally went on vacation, you know, the doctor had to reset the logins and passwords to help with some billing questions. And, you know, they unearthed all sorts of stuff. So, you know, make sure that you have access to that. It's not all just entrusted to one person. You know, if you can have a system of checks and balances, like if you talk to any of the big, you know, the remote billing companies, they'll have one person that does the billing and one person that does the posting of the checks. So if you can have that, you know, recommend that, um, you know, know your deposits and your adjustments. So your, you know, your software company, your practice management software should have um, people that can help you identify what reports to run or to put controls in place so adjustments are limited. You know, make sure everybody has their own sign-on and password so that you can track who did what. Yeah. You know, those are just some of the involvement parts. But you know, after that, have your controls and best practices in place. So, you know, like we talked about access, segregation of duty. Make sure your staff takes vacations. Yeah. Um, you know, that is one of the big red flags is staff that doesn't take vacations or never wants to leave. Right. Let's, let's go back to number one. I just want to ask you about a couple of those things and, and tell me if you agree. Um, I think one of the best things you can do, obviously have everyone have unique logins and for in, in, for certain accounts, we use LastPass, which I love. And so you can actually share passwords uh, but they don't actually see what the passwords are. You share access via the passwords. And so they're encrypted. You can also change the passwords. So they're extremely long, 18 characters, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it works really well because you have a mobile app. And trust me, I am the least technical savvy <laughs> guy there is. The other thing that I've heard, and we've started to do this now, I think almost every account we have internally is uh, two-factor authentica authentication, if I'm saying that correctly, which means anytime there's an, uh, a login uh, to an account, I just get a text or an email. or it, it's, it's usually a mobile notification that somebody's logged into this account just to tell me. Now, you might think that's a little burdensome, but I will tell you there are times I'm like, who is logging into it? Most of, it, most of the time, it's one of my kids hacking something. 
Um, but that's also important to know. Uh, and then just a system of checks and balances and random auditing. It's no different at home, you know, with your kids. You just don't say, hey, trust you guys to do your homework. Trust you guys to do your chores. It requires a little bit of auditing and sometimes random. And if you've raised teenagers, it's really good to be random. Like I've heard my kids go, no, no, no. My dad's totally unpredictable. No, no, no. We can't do it at my house. So, um, and I'm not the greatest at that, but it is important to create some type of auditing or a regular uh, system where they know you're looking at it. You know, whether it be once a week, randomly, you're going to do the deposits. I have heard also uh, the in and the out are two separate mechanisms where cash in and cash out are not the same person. Would you agree with all that? Or yeah, you absolutely. Uh, something else that I've I heard at office do as a best practice that I loved was that obviously they're using carbon copy deposit slips and then they're taking the deposit slips home with them. They're having the banking statement actually mailed to their house instead of to the office. And that way it triggers them like, I need to go back and double check these carbon copies with the deposit to make sure everything's in line. Yeah, that's very, very good. I like that a lot. Uh, David Harris was on recently and he said, uh, another thing, when you talked about insurance uh, checks coming in and out and adjustments, keep a graph uh, monthly on the discrepancy. And over time, the discrepancy should be tighter because all these dollars come in at different points and it's very hard to do a weekly or a daily, you know, reconciliation. It's just too burdensome. But on a monthly basis, if you create a graph on what the discrepancy was last month, over time, they should even out. And it doesn't stop people from embezzlement. What it does is it creates extra hoops that someone would have to work really hard to outdo that type of a thing. And again, let me just say this to a team member or a dentist. You might be thinking, oh my gosh, you're provoking fear. A great team member that really wants to work for you the right way appreciates accountability. They appreciate checks and balances. They appreciate accounting. So I have found just in my 26 years of running this company, my favorite team members, they love accountability. They love graphs. They love numbers. They love it when you say, hey, listen, I'm going to help you with making sure that all of this is accurate. Your least favorite ones don't want any eyes on what you're doing. So I think that's just an important overall philosophic, you know, standpoint you have to have in, in the practice when you get started. I want to go back to background checks too, because this is amazing. Think about it. Somebody can write prescriptions in your office. You have a lot of cash coming in and out of your hands. It's silly to have somebody come into your office and just hire them without a background check. Don't you think? Right. Absolutely. What's a Absolutely. background check cost? I mean, what's it cost? I don't even know. I have a hundred bucks or less. Yeah. So we do them and I, Laura, she's, I have no, I know they're less than a hundred dollars and make sure it's done by a great outfit because you'll find things on there that you will say, wow, this is interesting. And again, it's, it's, it's information that you paid for. You can present it to a potential candidate and say, tell me about this. <laughs> You'll also yeah, see employment on there that they haven't mentioned, you know, so uh, it's yeah. it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this. I mean, when we're talking about $100 for a background check, 
Um, you know, this study that I was looking at is the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, and this was multiple industries, but what they found is the average loss from a manager is about $150,000 and from a non-manager $60,000. So in comparison to a $100 background check, you know, I think that's, I think it's pretty smart to do them. Yeah. 100%. And yeah, keep going, keep going. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking back to, you know, what you were saying too about insurance checks and stuff. And, you know, we really recommend, offices sign up for the EFTs and get the electronic fund transfers. Um, You know, that is your safest bet. Like we're starting to see a lot of calls from people about checks getting misdelivered, misplaced, stolen, whatever it may be. There's still a lot of check fraud out there. Um, And that's not easy money to get back from the plan. There's the virtual credit cards, which are easily stolen. On top of that, they cost you the two to 3% to process them. So we highly recommend that you turn down those virtual credit cards and you tried to get EFTs, but I'll tell you, like you have to be involved in the setup of the EFTs because there was an office where we did consulting and remote billing for, and this doctor called us and said, hey, I don't understand why my office manager is going on nicer vacations and drives a nicer car than me. And so we started digging in and found out that several of the EFT accounts were set up to go to the office manager's bank account. Wow. And it had been several years and close to, you know, half a million dollars by the time it was on earth. And I want to piggyback on you said, I, I know there's probably going to be office managers that I, you're my favorite too. I don't, uh, you know, not trying to paint a bad picture about office managers or anything. I just, you know, this is where a lot of it does come from for the members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, if you use best practices, there's a high level of accountability and transparency, checks and balances. You're going to find that you will lower, I can't guarantee it, but you'll lower that ever happening. One more thing I'll just add about, you said reference checks. Now I got burned on this one really bad. So I'll just share with the listeners. Like I was getting ready to hire somebody who had raving, like an incredible resume. It was an awesome interview and it was a major dental corporation. And they gave me the name of their manager at a major dental corporation and I called the phone number and the, the person on the phone said that is one of the best of all time. You're crazy if you don't hire that person. What I did was I called the phone number that person gave me. What I've learned <laughs> now is you always call the number of the company. You never call the number that they give you because what I found out later was I wasn't talking to the head of the company I thought I was talking to. I was talking to someone they had appointed to answer questions under that alias. Uh, That was a very painful mistake on my part. So uh, I've learned now because I have got burned. You call the company and say, I want to speak to this person. And it'll take you a little bit. They'll get you connected to that person, but you can be assured you're talking to the person you want to be talking to. Agree? Such a great tip. I, a colleague and I, Michelle, we did a whole webinar series on um, hiring and recruiting best practices. And that's something that she had found and started sharing with everybody too. Great tip. Great yeah. Tip. Yeah. So what's number two? I'm, I'm sorry. We, we, we jumped to, I, I, I had so many questions just because- I love just, you know, little tips and tricks like this, but take us through number two. You said you were mentioning vacations. 
Yeah, um, you know, establish your control. So the first part's being involved. The second one, controls and best practices. So, you know, controlling your access, um, segregation of duties, take vacation. So do you know, like, your deposits? Do you know how much your deposits were? There was an office that, you know, if you're familiar with HMOs, um, this office took HMOs and and they have a planned visit fee where you can charge a 5 or $10 copay. And, you know, every time that person paid in cash, they would delete the plan visit fee and just pocket the cash. And so, you know, making sure you know those and know there's a lot of practice management softwares out there have a report that'll show you how to delete or how to run um, deleted payments or deleted postings that you can check. So check with your practice management software, but you know, that's controls. Um, there's a story I like to share. Sorry. Do you want to ask your question? Before? No, tell your story and I'll ask you a question. Okay. So this was an office manager in Vancouver, Washington, $123,000. And so this is why you need to be involved in a little bit of everything because they didn't just steal one way. So $15,000 in cash, over $77,000 with checks, uh, with with the check stamper. So if you have one of those automatic stampers, please get rid of that. Uh, $25,000 in payroll. And so when I talk about payroll, I don't usually talk about, you know, clocking in 10 minutes late or something, you know, stuff that's like time theft. This is actually like creating a fictitious employee and putting them on the payroll and then sending the check to their house. So $25,000 in payroll. Wow. $2,500 in Amazon, which Amazon has great business controls. So I do recommend you look into those, but $2,500 in Amazon deliveries. But here's the kicker. Because of that fraudulent payroll, the doctor had to pay an extra $2,200 in payroll tax. So, you know, this was $123,000 over multiple different levels. So, you know, it doesn't happen just one way. And they're not only doing it just one way. So, you know, really recommend being involved in everything, not just one aspect. Yeah. Now go back to vacations. You mentioned vacations. Share with me. I'm curious about that. What do you, what would you recommend with vacations? Just make them take them. I mean, uh, you go back to the trust piece that you were talking about earlier and I hear this again and again that the broken trust hurts more than the financial loss. And it's the best employee that just never takes their vacations, never calls out sick, never misses work, has a super clean area, won't let anybody touch any of their stuff. It, it can be a red flag. And, you know, it's if they're not there it's, or if they're there and they don't want to take time off, sometimes it's because they don't want people to find what they're doing. So if, if you do provide vacation and time off, you know, make sure that your staff takes that time. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. So, uh, and then what's your, what's your third tip or the third bucket that we put this in? Yeah. So be involved, establish controls and best practices. And the last one is, you know, your best people practices. So like we talked about the background checks, reference checks, make sure you report misconduct, you know, that same ADA survey you're going to be surprised. What what percentage of people do you think got fired after the doctor found embezzlement? I'm so curious. Um, <laughs> I would say it's pretty low and I'm going to guess 30% or 40%. Okay. That, well, they did better than that. <laughs> so they did term 65%. Okay. But 35% of people got to keep their job after stealing from the doctor. Right. So, and here, you know, here's why well, I say that. And so you and I were talking about before we hit the go button. Yeah. Again, this is a very shameful, hurtful 
situation. There's a lot of dynamics that are going on. Number one, like we shared the trust, there's a financial issue. Um, then you have this whole, wow, I, this is embarrassing. You know, do I let them go? Do I prosecute them? Oh my gosh. What if other people hear about this? I know everyone in this community, most, well, I wouldn't say most dentists, but a lot of people that don't do anything, they just want it to go away. I just want this to go yeah. away. I'm going to fire them for sure. And I just need it to go away. And sometimes they don't even tell the other team members. They're like, why is she gone? And they'll just say she wasn't or he or she wasn't the right fit for the office without giving the team any further clarification. So there's a lot of dynamics that happened that are just beyond the money. When you do find somebody, let me just ask you this question, Matt, I'm thinking something is off here. What can I do? What do I do? Yeah, you know, use your partners. You have a lot of partners out there. You do have your risk management team. You do have hopefully a CPA or a payroll company. There's forensic accountants. There's third-party billers. Uh, you know, I could even be happy to refer you out to anybody um, if you have questions. But really, just start the investigation process and start trying to build the story. So if something looks weird, dig into it and find out why or start looking for patterns or, you know, is this just one employee or is this one family? Is it multiple families? Really start trying to dig in and, and peel back the onion and see, you know, how deep this goes. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. And Matt, we're going to leave, if it's okay with you, I'm going to leave your email address in the show notes. Yeah. If you guys aren't taking notes, don't worry. We always take them for you. You can flip up to the show notes and you can reach out to Matt. He's a great resource. And uh, one thing I'll just add is if you're caught in the middle of this, it doesn't hurt to do a little homework. Once you get to the other side, whether it's happening or it's not happening, I think a great thing to share with all team members that handle any kind of money in your practice is to say to them, part of our values here is trust, accountability, transparency, best practices, something of that nature. It's a philosophical stance for the practice and how we do things. So it's not about you not trusting. I always want to do things the right way. We do them transparently. We talk about accountability. We have checks and balances and measure because we want to create a healthy relationship with employees and a healthy business. And part of that are these 12 steps or these 15 steps. So you are a new team member here. Here's how we handle money coming in. Here's how we, in order to create that kind of organizational health for our practice. So, um, yeah, don't an, an employment manual, ha have an employment manual right. and, you know, have that outlined in your employment manual that you know, embezzlement's not tolerated, that it leads to termination and prosecution. And, and and if you don't prosecute, the likelihood of you recouping any lost money from your insurance claims is, is minimal. They might require prosecution to recoup that. Right. Absolutely. So cool. Any last thoughts you have, Matt, just on how to create some best practices so this doesn't happen to you? No, you know, I one thing I did want to bring up, too, that I heard another office did is, you know, they periodically ran a background check on themselves or a financial credit check on themselves or on their business. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to do that. Um, 
But really, you know, as long as you start building your best practices, you know, have your employment manual, do your background checks and your reference checks, have your controls in place, you're involved. So just people know that you're looking and touching things like, you know, I think you can prevent a lot of this from happening. Yeah. I appreciate you, buddy. Great advice. And as always, I love what you guys are up to. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, just stick around when we say goodbye to everybody else. So um, yeah, thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. I'm going to encourage you to check out the resources, or if you have questions, feel free to reach out to Matt. And again, our goal here is just to provide some great uh, best practices and steps and protocols so that you never run into this, because I'll just tell you it's not fun as we listen to all of these stories. So hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, just do us a favor, hit the share button, share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions, as you always do. I love them, for things that you guys want to hear about, and we will line them up. Uh, and so until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching, keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.